What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Many Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, a deep dive into the factual accuracies and inaccuracies of the Garfield trailer. Beat by beat, we will examine the trailer in detail and talk about whether there are real-life examples in evolutionary biology that can lend credence to the new Garfield trailer. Would a silk moth make a better Garfield? Does social facilitation of eating explain why John tolerates Garfield? Are there other animals who eat horrifying amounts of food, much like Garfield? Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, how is Garfield like a subordinate male cichlid fish? Joining me today to check the Garfield trailer with scientific facts is Garfield understander, Emmy-nominated producer and TV writer, friend of the show, Joey Clift. Welcome. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to just finally, you know, get to the facts on this Garfield trailer and really just let the world know what's really going on. Yeah, this is very important. Uh, Garfield trailer dropped. It uh, it features a new tale of Garfield. Sort of a I, I the. What the sense I got from the trailer is it's sort of telling the tale of Garfield's life, like from kittenhood to adulthood to like, I guess meeting his own father is a thing in this trailer. Um, and of course, Garfield is voiced by uh, the most talented voice actor in the world, 
uh, Chris Pratt, who we uh, cannot get enough of. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that don't sound like they should, uh, a goat just kind of screams instead of making sounds. That's kind of what Chris Pratt's Garfield sounds like to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Chris Pratt, he's uh, he voices everything in every movie. I think that the goal is just like every movie will only be Chris Pratt playing the various roles, uh, voicing all of the animated character, playing all the live action roles. Uh, it is to kind of, I mean, it's efficient really to only have one guy in movies. Yeah, that way you just only have one schedule that you're really tracking instead of right. like a million people's schedules. I mean, I do think, I, I will say, like, I do like Chris Pratt as an actor. I think him as, as Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy is like yeah. a really fun character. But I, I think that him in his voice acting work with Garfield in the Mario Brothers movie, it kind of feels like his strategy in preparing for these roles is just to listen to like two minutes of somebody else doing the voice and then just be like ah, i probably got it you know yeah um it's what's a, what's it's a garfield just... i'm garfield john yeah and it's like That's oh it. nailed it nailed perfect it. no notes you know yeah yeah and he's just like <laughs> don't need don't, we don't need to do a second take we got yeah. it you know um I, I do, you know, it's like I get why you cast somebody like Chris Pratt in, you know, like on paper in a movie like this, because, you know, he is a movie star that's a draw. But like, it does kind of feel like you could have cast uh, a voice actor to do this. Mm, but the thing is, do voice actors have the raw animalistic sex appeal that Chris Pratt has? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we are we are discussing the Garfield trailer, but do not worry, evolutionary biology fans. I am examining this trailer through the lens of evolutionary biology. What do I mean by that? We are going through the trailer beat by beat, and every point of the trailer, every sort of claim this trailer makes about Garfield's life, we are going to see if there is a real evolutionary biology example of such a thing to really kind of we're fact checking this trailer. We're seeing if this trailer holds any water in terms of actual evolutionary biology. And so we start in the trailer with Garfield, an orange kitten in a box in the rain, looking very sad. And uh, then he smells food seemingly from like quite a ways away. Like he smells food inside of a restaurant, like all the way across the street in the rain, uh, which is pretty impressive. Uh, I think it might, it seems like it'd be hard to smell food from so far away. So is there an example of something orange and fluffy that can detect odors from very far away? Why, yes, indeed, the male Cyanothus silk moth can do this like Garfield. So the Cyanothus silk moth is sort of a reddish, orangish uh, color. It is fluffy, like Garfield. Uh, it's not quite as like bright uh, orange as the Garfield sort of like focus group tested orange coloration. Um, but they are, I think they're quite pretty. They're this sort of rusty orange and, and they're fluffy. Joey, I shared with you an image of one of these little guys uh, and I think they're quite cute. Yeah, I, I will say something that was really important to me about this episode was, you know, fact checking this Garfield trailer, 
Because, you know, as we know, um, Jim Davis, the creator of Garfield, famed cartoonist and evolutionary biologist, uh, really created the Garfield comic strip as a way to honor, you know, just like his factual love for different, you know, animal phenotypes. So I will say that, um, you know, this, uh, this, this creature that you sent me, um, he uh, has a rust colored orange color that I think is, um, it's very close to the uh, color that you saw in the first design of Garfield when he was a little bit more of like a quadruped than a biped. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, my guess is that when Jim Davis uh, originally created Garfield, he definitely was looking at this creature as, you know, his his way to build what he views as the perfect cat, which is the um, the orange coloration of this insect mixed with it. Presumably this insect's like just ravenous love of lasagna. And, you know, I think he just nailed it. And like as a member of the scientific community, I'm just going to applaud him for his work. <laughs> so I did have to fact check you, Joey, um, because jokes are not allowed on this show. Uh, you said that uh, Jim Davis is an evolutionary biologist now. Uh, this is, of course, not true. Jim Davis did grow up on a farm, however, which informed him, I suppose, of the existence of cats. Uh, so he used that that farm experience to know that cats were indeed an animal that exists. And then he drew a cat, and that cat was Garfield. Uh, he also worked for an advertising agency before becoming uh, the dad of Garfield, And one might conclude that Garfield is a cynical attempt to create a marketable character that you can sell merchandise for. And what I would say to people who come to that conclusion is, uh, have you no joy in your life? Uh, Do you have no childlike spark of wonder where you can ignore the implications that Garfield is just a cynical plot to uh, advertise an orange cat that is very marketable? Um, yeah, to that I say, is this the moment that I learned that everything I know about Jim Davis is a lie? No, <laughs> I refuse to believe that. So, yes, but about this uh, this moth, this silk moth, it is an orange fluffy guy. The orange fluffy guys are out there and they're real. Um, like Garfield, they are relatively large. They're found in North America. The Cyanothus silk moth has a wingspan of over four inches or over 10 centimeters. Uh, They live in a variety of environments, including conifer forests, coastlines, and desert chaparral. Uh, So the males of this species of moth, they don't really sport a cute little pink nose like Garfield, but instead a set of fluffy antenna that they can use to detect female sex pheromones from miles away. So many miles away, these little guys uh, can detect that there is a female who is uh, sexually mature. Uh, And while Garfield may be horny for food, these moths are horny for mating, which I guess is the original type of horny. Um, And so these moths will detect the female sex pheromone. They'll fly towards them. They will mate. Then females will lay their eggs on plants the caterpillars will will voraciously eat the plants. The caterpillars are actually quite pretty themselves. They are bright green with these beautiful little blue and red tubercules. So tubercules, uh, it sounds malignant. Uh, it does not sound like a nice thing, but these are just uh, basically horny projections that are found on 
caterpillars and then other other animals. Um, and interestingly, so adult Cyanothus uh, uh, silk moths have eye spots on the tips of their wings, uh, and the patterns on their wings almost look like a pair of snake heads, which is possibly a form of Batesian mimicry for these moths to say, like, hey, I'm not a moth. I'm actually two snakes. So, like, uh, bug off. Much like how Garfield has uh, eye spots on his back that makes him look like some kind of, um, you know, horrifying monster when he turns his head so that he can eat lasagna without being hassled. So um, just uh, I just want to clarify that um, we are definitely saying in this that it is Garfield's goal to the reason he can smell lasagna from so far away is that his goal is to find lasagna. That is, um, yes, you know, I think just scientific fact at this point. And, you know, I do think that you bring up a really good point about the eye spots on his back. So um, I, I think that um, Garfield is Jim Davis's effort to create what he views as the ultimate apex predator. Mm hmm. And I think that those eye spots really aid in, um, you know, Garfield's ability to intimidate, you know, his prey. Um, and, you know, just just good job for Jim Davis uh, wanting to play God. You know how, like, you look at Garfield and he has those huge cartoon eyes and you think that's his face. Actually, there's like a normal cat face, like on the other side of Garfield's head. And those huge eyes that we see are... Uh, his uh, Batesian mimicry eye spots. Uh, so yeah. we think that he's like facing us, but instead, like he's got just a regular, uh, well proportioned cat face on the other side of his head. Yeah, the, the thing about those eye spots in the back of his head is that when you see them, it's too late. He's already it is gotcha. too late. Yeah, if you see the whites of his eye spots, uh, you know, don't run. Just lie down and accept your fate. <laughs> yeah, um, you're about to be eaten with Garfield's bare hands. <laughs> yeah, and, and to to your earlier point that like Garfield's eating is like sort of a like when he's eating it's sort of a more of a sexual thing. That is heavily implied by this Garfield trailer. We're not just uh freaks. Like this trailer has a whole scene in it where it's like Garfield's about to go down on some lasagna and he's like the younger members of the audience might want to look away because one can only assume it means he's going to attempt to mate with the lasagna. I think he's going to attempt and succeed. He's, uh, <laughs> Garfield is a smooth fella. So, um, you think Garfield yeah, uh, could seduce a plate of lasagna? Oh, uh, I mean, look, Garfield could seduce some lasagna all day. Lasagna all day. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, but then when we get back, we will discuss more of the Garfield trailer and how there are indeed real-life evolutionary examples of animals uh, doing the same things that Garfield does in this trailer. Uh, lots of learning ahead, folks, so stay tuned. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, 
the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back, and I'm certainly not just using the Garfield movie trailer as a pretext to slip in some... Uh, sneaky education about evolutionary biology. No, no. I deeply care about this trailer. So uh, the next part of the trailer is Garfield running across the street and trying to avoid getting hit by cars. Some might say this is an overused trope. Uh, I say to them, um, shut up. Yeah, um, and I will say that based on Garfield's character design, which I will say that is something that I really loved about the trailer is like the art style to me is just kind of beautiful and evocative of um, the classic Garfield comic strip. Um, you know, it really feels like the the um, the 2000s live action Garfield movie. They just kind of tried to turn Garfield into just like, you know, some CG creature that didn't really look like the Garfield that we know. Whereas and it feels Uncanny like there was like Valley sort of oh, like horrifying, um, like humanoid orange thing with bill murray's voice you mean uh, yeah when it's also weird because in the 2000s garfield movie we see like cg uncanny valley garfield but there are also regular cats in that movie because it's yeah, live action so garfield is some kind of strange cat like homunculus in that movie um i do like that i like to feel a little bit of mortal terror when it comes to garfield that's my favorite that's garfield at its best when it makes me feel sort of this palpable sense of horror and fear for my life so um, something that I'm curious about, your scientific opinion on this, Garfield's character design as a kitten in the early part of this trailer, you mentioned when he's running across the street, is very Caterpillar-esque. Mm-hmm. So, and now that I think about it, uh, once Garfield is, you know, an adult, as we see him in the trailer, he definitely does have the appearance of a cocoon. So um, do you feel like there's going to be a point in this movie where Garfield is going to emerge from his cocoon and enter into his true moth form? I mean, that is a really interesting question because like like we said earlier, there are some moth-like characteristics to Garfield. His ability to sense odors from very far away, 
the the orange fluffiness um and also you know the fact that uh the larva of moths uh known as caterpillars um eat like massive amounts like like incredible amounts and usually they gain mass uh when they're eating so much which is something that I'm going to talk about later on in the trailer um but like so what happens with caterpillars for moths for butterflies is they enter into a cocoon or a chrysalis. Uh, and the coco- uh, the difference between a cocoon and a chrysalis is kind of structural. Cocoons are usually made from sort of these like, um, you know, bound more by a silk structure or a chrysalis is a more of a um, sort of smooth, uh, uh, chitinous structure. Uh, regardless, either way, they, they enter into a cocoon or a chrysalis and then, uh, they actually turn completely into a um, sort of liquefied state. This is this is all true. This is not a fiction created by the Garfield universe. Uh, moths and butterflies, uh, they the larva uh, will eat and eat and eat until it's gained a lot of mass, a lot of uh, uh, just raw material, essentially, to fuel its transformation into a butterfly or moth. And uh, the interesting thing is that once it's kind of it's gone into this like liquefied state where like if you cut open a cocoon or a chrysalis, which I don't necessarily recommend because then you ruin the whole process, but you will actually find a goo and this kind of like gelatinous liquid. And um, then, of course, it reforms into uh, a butterfly or a moth, and then it'll it will emerge from the cocoon or chrysalis, and and there you there you have this transformed uh, animal. Interestingly, it retains memory from its caterpillar form. So there have been multiple studies on like teaching caterpillars to find an odor to be um, unpleasant. Like they'll uh, you know have them smell some odor and then like shock them or something. You know, scientists are mean to bugs, but uh, what happens is that as adults, these these ones that have been trained as caterpillars will still avoid that odor versus adults that had not had that training as caterpillars. So despite the fact they turn into this like kind of protein uh, slurpy inside of the chrysalis or cocoon, they still retain that memory from being a caterpillar. So what they think is that there are these this cl- this neural cr- cluster of cells that does not disintegrate essentially so they have this neural cluster of cells a lot of the the rest of their body has kind of like disintegrated into more like of a stem cell state where these cells will now differentiate into sort of the different parts of the butterfly but the neural cells retain some of the original neural cells so that it's not completely lost uh the learning that it had when it was a caterpillar so how this relates to garfield is that i would expect Garfield to potentially turn into kind of a uh, coagulated jelly at some point in the film within this cocoon. And uh, it he should still retain some of his memories from kittenhood uh, because he would retain these neural cells, but he would be completely transmogrified and uh, liquefied before turning into his final morph, which would be... Um, I'm not exactly sure what what the what they'll reveal that to be, but I am excited. Yeah, all I know is that uh, Garfield is full of goo, mm-hmm. and that whatever his final form is going to be is going to be both horrifying and beautiful, <laughs> <laughs> just like 
the Garfield we know and love. Exactly. Um, so, but back to this uh, part of the trailer where Garfield runs across the street and avoids getting hit by cars, because I think this is a really pivotal moment in the Garfield movie. Otherwise, why would they show us this rather pointless thing in the trailer? It must be, I feel like it's Chekhov's Garfield avoiding traffic. Um, there's probably going to be video games of like you play as Garfield trying to avoid traffic on your way to running towards a restaurant. Um, but this, I, I, I think uh, there is some relevant research in evolutionary biology in terms of animals learning how to avoid traffic. And I want to talk about cliff swallows. Uh, you might be asking, what, how do cliff swallows have anything to do with Garfield? They have everything to do with Garfield. So cliff swallows... Everything has everything to do with Garfield. Garfield is life. Garfield is in the sort of basic building blocks of life. So silly question. Cliff swallows like to build their nests in cliffs, caves, or grottos. Uh, they... Um, We'll use human structures, though, like because they, you know, say you build a freeway overpass. Well, that's kind of like a, a cliff or a cave so that they will build their nests inside of this overpass. You may have seen them. Now, the problem with that is that there are a lot of cars around uh, these structures and cars are fast. And when you have a car uh, and it hits a cliff swallow, the cliff swallow basically gets pure pureed. So it's not a good situation for the cliff swallow. So researchers have been studying these cliff swallows that live near human structures since the 1980s, and they've actually found that these cliff swallows have uh, started to be better at not being killed by cars, like the rates of cliff swallows being um, pulverized by cars has gone down. And that has also matched with another interesting thing, which is that cliff swallows' wings have been getting shorter. So their wings have been getting shorter and they've been less likely to get pulverized by cars. And so the conclusion, uh, the, the, the theory is that the shorter wings make it easier for these cliff swallows to avoid being hit by cars through more speed and maneuverability. And the researchers are calling this vehicular selection. So I think... Vehicular selection being like vehicles actually driving evolution. And how does this relate to the Garfield trailer? Well, the question is, why is Garfield the only kitten we see? I think it's answered in the next scene, which is uh, the traffic. Garfield running across the street in traffic. Now, Garfield, I think, is the only survivor of the brood. Uh, and his other, uh, the other offspring that were in the same brood as Garfield probably got killed by the cars. And so we're seeing this evolutionary pressure of cars on the Garfield. And so the Garfield is the strongest of the brood and survives. And we should see more Garfield-like traits in the next generation of Garfields. Yeah, I think that you do bring up a good point in that in creating Garfield, uh, it was Jim Davis's goal to create the perfect evolutionary creature right exactly and i think that that's and i think that's really what is being portrayed in this trailer is like this is it's not going to get better than this this is the most evolved that any living organism can possibly be i mean it's it is uh so involved that it seems to be able to eat like in massive amounts of uh calories and somehow efficiently process those into pure energy that doesn't actually take up so much mass like i would assume i now i'm not a physicist 
Uh, I, I do often guest on Daniel and Jorge explain the universe. So they would probably be better at answering this question of how do you convert mass into energy such that you do not have to like, like, because we see Garfield, he eats, um, spoilers, like an entire restaurant's worth of food, but he doesn't change in size. And so the inside of the Garfield has to be incredibly dense I think like ha- have a lot of density. Yeah, like a like a neutron star. Yeah, like a neutron star. Now, no, weirdly enough, there is not. We don't see like the restaurant patrons being pulled into Garfield because if you're that dense, you should have a gravitational pull. Um, so there is some other mechanism by which Garfield is able to abscond with this mass and convert it into some form of energy that is not creating like a uh, gravity well. Which I think is really interesting. Yeah, so something that I want to point out is that um, when uh, Garfield arrives at the window in the Garfield trailer of this restaurant, yeah. and we see John Arbuckle great moment. sitting alone at this table, um, we see that John Arbuckle is sitting alone at the table, but he has mm-hmm. an entire large pizza in front of him. Joey, be very so careful like, where you tread here, uh, because you know um, I live in Italy, so. Uh, if you're about to imply that there is something pathetic about sitting and eating an entire pizza alone, um, you're going to run afoul no, like, of the Italian authorities. No, I guess that I'm saying that like eating an entire eating an entire pizza alone, I get. But like eating an entire large pizza alone. Well, also like, in the restaurant, like I feel yeah. like. We've That's something all, that you do like in your apartment when you're just like, eh, I don't really want to make food today. We've all like ordered a large pizza, rolled it up like a giant blunt and then eaten it in a dark yeah, eaten room. Yeah, it while smoked it, yes. Right. And like with the curtains drawn and the lights off so nobody, including ourselves, can kind of see us doing this um, important yet obscene ritual John is doing it alone in a restaurant, which is an interesting thing. And I I actually did want to touch on this whole scene where you see John trying to eat this enormous pizza alone in an Italian family food restaurant. Um, But the main thing is, like you see, John, he's actually not doing a good job of eating this uh, pizza, this large pizza, which one might ask, well, why would he order it if he doesn't want to eat it? Uh, but this phenomenon of him being unable to eat this food, whereas you you pan around to these other families and they're all eating their food very easily, they're all happy. Uh, this is actually a real phenomenon and it's called uh, social facilitation of eating. And it has been observed in both human and non-human animals. And there's actually uh, quite a, a large number of studies done on this now. Again, I have to say, like, this is actual evolutionary biology. None of, like, the, this is not a Everything bit. we're saying is true. Um, sure. So, uh, <laughs> right now, the truth is happening starting now. So, studies done on animals in lab settings uh, since the 1960s have found, like, a variety of species of animals that will eat more in groups than when they eat are alone. So this includes fish, birds, dogs, monkeys, gerbils, rats, and possums. Uh, there was a study on chickens. Which are all things that I eat when I'm with a group of people. You eat uh, gerbils. Lambs, possums, gerbils. These are all, <laughs> if I'm with a big enough group, I just chow down. Look, you know what? 
uh, just be careful about eating monkeys because of those prion diseases, but otherwise, go for it, man. Um, so a study on chickens found that when a chicken eats until it is uh, satiated, so like once it's like completely full and this chicken, you're like, hey, chicken, you want more corn? And this, co- this chicken is like, I couldn't possibly have any more corn. Uh, it will actually resume eating if you introduce it to a hungry chicken who is like, corn, I'm super hungry for corn. And that chicken B starts eating the corn and chicken A, which was previously like, I'm full, I can't eat any more corn. It sees chicken B eating the corn and chicken A is like, man, I could go for some corn too. And it starts eating the corn as well. Um, And so this has been widely observed in social species of animals. It's also been widely observed in human beings. So people in laboratory settings eat more in groups uh, and will also eat more in the presence of people who eat large amounts. So in one study, participants were invited to eat crackers. Again, I have to emphasize that this is all true. This is not a bit. I'm telling you (laughs) the truth about the things that we have actually spent. I'm telling you, I've been... I've been telling the truth this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) So people were given, were invited to eat crackers in a lab, and then they were paired with a fake participant uh, called a confederate. We're not talking about the U.S. Civil War. A confederate in a psychology study is basically someone who pretends to be just another participant in the study, um, but is actually with the uh, researchers and is doing, playing some role. Uh, I had to do this though, as, an, as an undergraduate. Though uh, it is weird because in this situation, the Confederate is required to love Leonard Skinner. That's a very <laughs> big part of this. Uh, so, yes, the Confederate was assigned to eat between one and 20 crackers. So you have like uh, a number of Confederates eating a, a uh, on on a spectrum of cracker eating. And... Um, so they looked at the effect of how many crackers the, the plant, the Confederate ate on the actual participants appetite for crackers. So those paired with the Confederate who ate high numbers of crackers themselves would eat around 86% more crackers than those paired with the low cracker eating Confederates. Um, and that's. An interesting study that was done on real human beings. Uh, another finding in terms of uh, social facilitation of eating is that um, people will eat more with family and friends. Like that has the highest impact on social in- eating, increasing food intake and shared meals. So in this way, the Garfield trailer is very accurate uh, to life. And I think it also like allows us to understand better the symbiotic relationship between John and Garfield. Because you're like, well, why would John have this cat around, this Garfield, that it's not really a cat, is it? Garfield is its own sort of species, I think. Like, either a species yeah, he's or like, a he's like a Yeah, yeah, he's a caterpillar who entered into his cocoon stage, who will right. blossom into a terrifying moth, yes. Right, right. He, he's so, so um, you know, the symbiotic relationship between John and the Garfield... Um, I think we we kind of get the uh, some understanding of that this might actually be mutualism rather than a parasitic relationship because uh, the Garfield comes in and does indeed eat like all this food, 
But the thing is, John was incapable of eating on his own. Like he he was too sad and alone to eat. So by having uh, Garfield, uh, even though the Garfield is eating a lot of the food, I think the implication here is that without the like large eating of Garfield, right? Because in these studies, we found like when you're paired with someone who's eating a lot, your appetite will go up. Uh, the John is actually able to eat more as well, even though like on average, the Garfield is getting more portions of the food. It seems like that's evidence that this is actually a mutualistic symbiotic relationship. Okay, so a uh, science question about mm-hmm. the trailer. Um, does this explain why John has a large pizza in front of him and he has a knife and fork next to him? Like he's going to eat the pizza with a knife and fork? Um, yeah, I think that that's more of a philosophical question. Um, like if you're going to eat a pizza with a knife and fork and you're not actually in Italy, like is that just kind of a nihilistic uh, sort of position or Wait, is that an italian thing in italy do yes. people eat pizzas wow i didn't know that absolutely because well it depends on where you are in italy um but like a lot of the pizzas especially here in northern italy have a very 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 thin crust like so thin that you cannot lift the pizza the pizza is actually structurally oh, got it. Un- unstable so you you actually have to use a knife and fork and there are various ways that you can do it. You can just kind of like cut it up into pieces. Like one method is you like sort of cut a strip and you roll it. Um, but like it, it's because like you'll have like this very thin crust and then like a bunch of cheese and like meat or whatever. And so you actually cannot like do a slice and then lift it up. It'll just all fall apart. Oh, okay, so sort of like a like a traditional Naples pizza that we know of it is something that you can more lift and eat with your hands, whereas yes. like there are different parts of Italy in the same way that there's like a Chicago deep dish pizza, which is like you you could eat a Chicago deep dish pizza with your hands, but it's like your hands are also going to be real gross afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends on like um, your like whether or not you want to sort of uh, do performance art, whether you eat it with your hands or not. Um, but right. like. Yeah, I mean, it is uh, eating pizza with a knife and fork is actually okay to do in Italy because it's like you have to do it for a lot of pizzas. And I don't really think there's much judgment. Like, it's not like they judge you if you eat it with your hands. Like, if the pizza is structurally stable enough to eat with your hands, you can either eat it with your hands or a knife or a fork. Uh, They don't people really don't care. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, I do have to say um, this trailer definitely won some points for me for featuring uh, Garfield eating, um, you know, his primary prey, as we know of, which is lasagna. Right. Um, That's something that's like front and center in the first minute of the trailer. This cute Garfield kittens in a takeaway container of lasagna. So, uh, you know, I think that um, so far this is clicking along really well. And, um, you know, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And lasagna is actually an invasive species in the United States. Like it's uh, indigenous to um italy if you think of food as animal species which is not Uh, actually correct but which is i mean how i view everything i mean i feel like uh what is a pepsi can but Mm. uh but a gerbil made of metal and without arms or legs or a head this is a science show people um um Okay, so how does how does we've uh shortly into the trailer odie appears how does odie play into this theory I completely ignored Odie. That's uh, <laughs> it's okay. Jim Davis did too. When I try to look at Odie, I see sort of like a 
white static. Um, like my brain can't actually process Odie. Um, that makes sense. I try not to process him either. Yeah, it's better. I think it's it's easier to enjoy the art if you ignore Odie. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, I think that Jim Davis is an infallible person who can do no wrong. But, yeah. like, you know, let's just say Odie's not 100% right. Odie is the negative space that makes it easier to enjoy Garfield, I think. Ah, uh, thank you for helping me understand Jim Davis's genius. <laughs> yeah, Odie, like jazz, is the notes you don't play. So, um, a friend of mine brought up um, a really good point to me in this trailer, in that um, it's seriously lacking its use of the song I Don't Like Mondays by the Boomtown Rats. Um, oh, they don't play uh, that in this trailer. They do not play the song. But like now, like my level of Garfield, um, you know, I would say fandom from a scientific place is that I re-edit the trailer in my mind to that song. Yeah. <laughs> and the version of that, the version of that in my mind that's edited to that song, I cry to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to take a quick break while Joey collects himself. Uh, but when we get back, guess what? Uh, it's more fact-checking of whether this trailer is actually scientifically accurate, um, what it means, like the sort of evolutionary biological principles of the Garfield movie official trailer. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Joey, uh, I do want to talk about one of the main features of the trailer, which is the the... It's when the beat kind of drops, you know, where it's like uh, with Garfield, 
eating massive amounts of food. And uh, there is part of the trailer where it is implied that eating the food uh, is disturbing in some way. And I, I just want to play that clip uh, so people understand what that we're not exaggerating or uh, so that the, the clip is... Uh, the context is Garfield is seated before a large plate of lasagna that John, his caretaker, has prepared for him. And he looks directly at the camera, something known as breaking the fourth wall. And he says this. Uh, I apologize in advance. The eating you're about to see will not be pretty. And if you have young children, this would be a good time for them to leave the room. So, I mean, first, I want to get your thoughts, Joey, about sort of the implications of uh, this scene. Um, yeah, so uh, a few things. Something that I genuinely love about this as um, I would say as a Garfield historian and enthusiast is that um, there are a lot of moments in this trailer where, where Garfield looks directly to camera. And whenever he does it, it's like a very clean one shot that like is very evocative of the Garfield comic strips mm -hmm. when Garfield would sort of deliver the punchline in a thought bubble. So I think that that's something that I really appreciate about this trailer is like, you know, the Chris Pratt's voice aside, it does really feel like there is some level of like effort to love and appreciate and honor, you know, Jim Davis's perfect baby. Yeah, his original um, vision. Yeah, totally, totally. But um, I will say my takeaway from this is that, you know, like we spoke about earlier, uh, immediately um, before this cut or after this cut, uh, Garfield definitely f***s that lasagna. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, that is I mean, that seems like what they're implying because I, I don't understand what yeah. the other interpretation could be. Uh, so the one of the things that is the that is sort of the focus of this trailer is that Garfield eats an incredible amount of food. Now, we did go over the theory earlier that Garfield could contain some kind of like neutron star like matrix inside of his uh, stomach uh, that is a way to compactly store that amount of mass without actually changing his external dimensions. But uh, the the other theory um, for how Garfield could function could be found in uh, evolutionary biology. So there are plenty of animals that can eat uh, food that are is larger than itself, like such as you know snakes. Uh, but there is this really interesting example of a uh, deep sea fish that can eat just ridiculous amounts of food and prey much larger than its entire body. And it does this through an expandable food pouch. Uh, so this is called the black swallower. It is a fish uh, that can grow up to be around nine inches. So that's like, it's less than a foot. It's it's not that big. It's found in deep North Atlantic uh, ocean waters. It's found around 2,000 to 9,000 feet under the sea, which is around 600 to 2,700 meters. Um so it can eat prey that is up to around 10 times its own mass. And it does this with a this like membrane, this extendable pouch in its stomach uh, that is uh, somewhat translucent. It, it actually kind of looks like a water balloon. Um, and so its jaws can swing open large enough to eat things bigger than its own head. Uh, and then this, the, it can basically swallow whole this prey, 
uh, and it can suction it in like a vacuum into this distendable membrane. Um, and so that it is able to eat things much larger than itself. Now, of course, the uh, problem with this being Garfield's method of feeding is that we don't see this uh, this expandable pouch, but one could perhaps assume that some artistic license was taken to censor this so that it could get, I assume it has a PG rating, so that might have been the only way for it to get that kind of rating in the movie theaters. Um, yeah. So the black swallower, it's it's a really fascinating looking creature that I definitely recommend you check out. There are a lot of um, photos and drawings of this fish swallowing a fish that looks to be like three or four times its size. And you can see like the outline of the fish in its like in its mucus pouch. Yeah. And it just looks terrifying. It's so horrible I, I think to look this, at. Yeah, so I think that this opens up the question, um, and I think, you know, spoilers for anybody that plans on watching the Garfield movie, do we think that the movie ends with Garfield eating John? Hmm, that's an interesting question, right? Like, because uh, if that's the case, like, the symbiosis between John and Garfield would be more something that uh, ends up, uh, you know, consuming its host. Yeah, because I think that you look at you look at the size of John, you look at the size of Garfield, and you know, using what we know about the Black Swallower, it does feel like Garfield could probably fit John in his mucus pouch. Yeah, probably. Um, and you know, I there are there are plenty of examples of sort of parasitic relationships or uh, parasitoid relationships where it's like something is basically eventually consumes its entire host. Um, that Garfield could be modeling. Now, there is a peril for both Garfield and this uh, the black swallower fish, which is that uh, if it eats uh, um, a prey item that is too large, it can actually accidentally um, essentially explode. So uh, it can uh, eat food that just directly bursts through this uh, feeding pouch, which will kill it. Um, Another potential problem, and this is real again, like uh, this is an actual thing that happens this to these fish. This is real, which, like everything we've talked about. Like everything on this we've talked about, exactly, um, about Garfield. Uh, all, all true, all true, all, re all real. We invite lawyers to try to find anything objectionable. Um, so for these black swallower fish, if they eat prey that somehow doesn't like tear this, uh, this feeding pouch, uh, but it's still perhaps too large for it. Uh, decomposition can set in for this prey item before uh, the black swallower fish can actually fully digest it. And then the when something is decomposing, it releases uh, gases. And so those gases will uh, fill the this this pouch of the black swallower and it will actually cause the fish to float to the surface. And one of the characteristics of deep sea uh, fish, is that they are designed to be at these crushing depths of the ocean. So when they are reach the surface of the ocean, they actually kind of like fall apart in a way. It's, it's like what you've probably seen photos of the blobfish and it's this like weird pink gelatinous mass. But whereas when you look at it, when it's actually in the depths of the ocean where it belongs, uh, it's a lot more solid looking, a lot more bony and... Um, it's actually more of a gray color than pink. 
And that's because like you have something that is designed essentially to withstand that kind of pressure and then you take it up where there's no more pressure and then it just kind of like it doesn't exactly explode, but it kind of like it, its organs rupture and its skin kind of like kind of like come apart. And and so that's what happens to this black swallower. It, it dies if it floats to the surface. It's kind of like if if you put a human in space, there's going to be a lot of problems like we're we're not designed for both the like kind of uh we're just not designed for for space and these fish are not designed for the low pressure of being anywhere above uh, their sort of uh, deep sea area. Yeah, this is really interesting. I actually did not know this about blobfish. Looking at um, photos side by side, uh, the blobfish at depth looks like, you know, like a fairly normal fish, whereas mm -hmm. at the surface, it like looks like it just kind of got turned inside out. Pretty much, yeah. Um, it does not. It does not like avert. It doesn't turn inside out, but it it does um, lose structural integrity <laughs> once it reaches the surface. So uh, I guess that um, t using this to go into what we know about the Garfield movie, could we picture a world where maybe in Act Two, Garfield turns into his true, um, you know, his true form explodes from his chrysalis, finally swallows John. And then um, realizes that John's a little bit too big. Uh, John ruptures Garfield's insides. And the movie ends with both John and Garfield dying as sort of like a testament to the hubris of uh, nature. And, um, you know, do we picture that being a potential way the movie could go? I think that based on everything we're seeing in this trailer. I think so. Uh, but if not that, I'm sure you would find that on someone's like ancient live journal in some dark corner of the Internet yeah. as a that's fan at fiction. Least, that's, that's the Garfield movie that I am going into this <laughs> expecting. <laughs> so one interesting aspect of the trailer is that it's revealed that Garfield has a father uh, who is huge and bulky. It's, he, he's maybe like five times the size of the Garfield. Yeah, it's he's like, Wolfeld, yeah. It's Wolfield. I did do a, um, a world famous podcast where we played a tabletop RPG, and I did have a character that was essentially a giant orange cat that was extremely muscular and ate um, everything that it could. Uh, so I, I do think that probably the movie did listen to that uh, that extremely world famous podcast of me and a bunch of friends playing a tabletop RPG where I had a uh, giant Garfield as a character. Yeah, it does feel like you deserve a written by credit in this movie. Yes, probably, probably. Like I'm, I'm really humble, so I feel like I wouldn't. You know, I'm not gonna like write them a letter and say like, "Hey guys, please give me credit." I, it's just I, I feel that it's so clear that's what the inspiration was that I'm not even offended that they don't give me credit. Um, that yeah, that was a that was a podcast by a, it's the Gamefully Unemployed um, Network. It's from a long time ago, but still, uh, choose your own adventure. That was a those fun times. It's just important that the listeners know this, right? I think so. Yeah. So, uh, but but back to sort of the the meat of the question, which is, are is there an actual are there biological truths to this part of the Garfield movie trailer? Uh, like, can you have an adult male 
that is like five times the size of another conspecific adult male, another adult male in the same species. Um, so yes, this actually does occur in, in nature. There are animals where there are different morphs, adult morphs, particularly in males, where some adult males are much larger and more aggressive than other adult males. This is found particularly in reptile and fish species. We'll focus on one such species. This is uh, Minkley's cichlid, uh, which is a tropical fish found off of the coast of northern Mexico. Uh, there are large males, large dominant males, that have harems of females. So the females will lay eggs and the large males will externally fertilize the eggs. So basically just go by with like a blast of sperm cannon over these eggs and fertilize them. So small males, uh, which are also adults, uh, but are much smaller than the large males, will instead use a sneaky strategy. So they will dart in quickly to fertilize the eggs uh, while the large, uh, the large males are not looking. And then the small males will like dart out, fertilize the eggs really quick, and then go back into hiding. So I think it is reasonable to assume that Garfield uh, is a small morph of the Garfields and is uh, uses this sneaky strategy in terms of mating versus the large, the Swolefields, the larger morphs of the Garfield, uh, which is more just kind of uh, uses the aggressive protective form of mating. So um, I, I have a question about the trailer at um, mm -hmm. two minutes and one second in, we see uh, the Garfield from the trailer fly through the air and then hit a large Garfield balloon. That um, was interesting. Like a, Macy's, like a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade balloon. Yeah, it hits. It does hit a large Garfield shaped balloon, which is interesting. So um, my I, so originally my read of this was that is this a world where Garfield is famous and if so, why is Garfield the cat famous in this world? Um, like, is this a world where Garfield exists and also the Garfield comic strip exists? And the Garfield comic strip is like a documentary about the life of this cat. Um, but I, I think that honestly, this conversation has maybe pointed me in a different direction of like, this could be we're seeing an adult Garfield at his full state, gigantic able to fly and ready to terrorize the city. Uh, what do you right. think about that? Right. This might actually be like the final morph of Garfield, right? Like we think it's a Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade uh, balloon, um, but that's just sort of our frame of reference. This could actually be a, 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 a fully adult giant morph of Garfield Um being uh, sort of like and what seems to be the ropes like holding the balloon down might actually be sticky strands of like filaments that this Garfield deploys in order to entangle prey on the ground. And so yeah, there, there is yeah. also a world where there's sticks trying to hold that Garfield up to prevent him from eating the city. That's that's also entirely possible. It's hard to know because this is uh, not like an identified species yet like that we know about. Uh, I'm hoping that this movie like provides more information on this large um, Garfield. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that for sure this could be like after sort of the Garfield goes through a stage of metamorphosis. It does turn into this very large 
um, morph of the Garfield that is actually the size of a city block and does uh, would in this case it would very easily consume people. So I think that is probably where the movie trailer is going. Like it is, it is the tale of like what happens when you adopt a small innocent looking Garfield, but then eventually it does grow to be the size of a city block. Um, and, and Yeah, it's really like you know, gremlins. It's like, you know, you don't feed like them gremlins. at night, don't put them in water. And clearly John Arbuckle just didn't get that memo. And now the city's going to suffer for it. It's a tale of hubris every time, you know. The hubris yes. of man thinking we can tame the wild Garfield. As we know, that that was Jim Davis's original intent in creating Garfield as it an was. executive. Yes, I mean, I think uh, he he really wanted it to be a cautionary tale that we are not gods; we can't tame the wild. And when we think that we are more powerful than Mother Nature, Mother Nature will strike back with a giant orange cat-like creature the size of a city block. Yeah, all I got to say is Jim Davis, note taken. <laughs> well, we did it. We did go through the entire Garfield trailer and um, disassemble it, analyze it. Um, I am... So excited for this movie. It looks fantastic and interesting. So, so uh, what, one, what, wait, before we totally wrap, one mm -hmm. final question I had about yeah, the trailer. It. So it ends with um, uh, a contest that says, uh, does your cat act like Garfield? And basically they're urging people to send in videos of um, their cats acting like Garfield to potentially be included in the movie. So my question is, does it sound like their intent is they want you to take your cat and stuff your cat full of lasagna and then yeah. film it? So like, don't do that. Um, yeah, don't feed your cat a bunch of lasagna. Yeah, don't listen to this trailer. Don't feed your cat a ton of lasagna. Yeah, I mean, unless like you're really into uh, giving your cat diarrhea and having to take your cat to the vet for said diarrhea, I would not feed your cat like an entire pan of lasagna. That's bad for cats. Uh, they can't really digest that stuff really yeah, well. Cats, Cats should not eat an entire plate of spaghetti and an entire pizza in one sitting. Right, exactly. They shouldn't eat an entire uh, family-style Italian restaurant's worth of food in one sitting. Uh, you will have a pretty sick cat. Yeah, I know that that's exactly what they're asking for and what they want in this ad campaign, but do it's not take the bait. They said f take your cat to an Italian-style family restaurant and have your cat eat all of the food in the restaurant and capture capture it on video that is what they said and i feel like you know there might be legal grounds to um you know bring them to justice but i'm not a lawyer i am wait i'm not I'm, is that legal <laughs> to say i'm a lawyer no i'm not a lawyer <laughs> i hope you do win an emmy where you just like take the Emmy everywhere you go and then you're like, someone's like, is there a doctor here? And you're like, I've got an Emmy. And then you just try to do surgery, you try to do lawyering uh, and nobody, they let you do it because you have an Emmy. Well, look, the thing is, is like if I were to win an Emmy, the tops of an Emmy, 
are very pointy, like the the wings of the Emmy statue. True. Those wings are sharp. And I'm gonna use that to eat lasagna. It's just gonna happen. If you if you win an Emmy, will you promise me to at least if like you if you can have it, right? Like I don't know how it works. Uh, like if they actually let you keep it, if you just touch it and then like it goes back into a vault. But like if you get it, um, and it's yours to do with what you want, will you do a video of yourself eating um some lasagna with your Emmy? Uh, okay. So, okay. So the real answer is that, do I want to do that? Oh yeah. But like, I think I might have to like, there might be rules of when you get your Emmy statue of what you can and can't do. Right. Is it like the, is it like the American flag where if you, there are, it's like you go to jail if you, uh, tie the flag around your neck, like a bib to eat lasagna. Yeah. Or it's like, just do they like take it back or something? Right. Do they like rescind your Emmy if you disrespectfully use it? Yeah. If you use it specifically, if you use it to eat lasagna as a as a giant utensil, will they get mad? I just don't see why that's disrespectful. I feel like that's very respectful because you're like, I respect my Emmy so much. I want it to be a part of this moment with me as I eat this lasagna. The most um, the most divine of foods. This is exactly what I will be screaming to the Emmy people as they try to pry the Emmy from my greasy <laughs> lasagna-covered hands. It might be easy for them to do that if your hands are greasy. It'll slip right out. That's another peril. Uh, Yay. <laughs> before we go, we do need to play a little game. It's called the Mystery Animal Sound Game. Uh, guess who's squawking? Every week I play Mystery Animal Sound, and you, the listener, and you, the guest, try to guess who is making that sound. It can be any animal in the world. Last week's hint was this. This animal has a more famous catchphrase, but it has plenty of other things to say. Okay, I'm going to say that's a rooster because roosters have the famous cockadoodle-doo catchphrase. You're you're very close in that this is poultry. Congratulations to Emily M. and Sean D., who both guessed correctly. Uh, this is a wild turkey. So, Oh, gobble, gobble. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It has the gobble, gobble. All people know about turkeys is the whole gobble, gobble. But there's, they have, there's so much more to turkeys than just that. Uh, turkeys have all sorts of vocalizations. They're very social creatures. Um, just, uh, for some, a few examples, like, uh, there's a bunch of different vocalizations. Uh, here's sort of like turkey for, hey, like they're just like saying, hey, hey, how's it going? This is like a standard cluck. That's like turkey for, hey, um, there's a put sound, which is an alarm call. That's this. There is a tree call, which I guess they do while roosting in trees. Uh, so let's see. This is this is my favorite, I think. Uh, well, second favorite. This is an assembly call to gather young uh, turkeys or other members of the turkey clan. Uh, and then my actual favorite one is this one. It's a uh, turkey purring. 
Oh, that's nice. I like that. That's a happy turkey purring. And there's, a, of course, the classic gobble. I feel like that's a trope at this point, though. It's overplayed. Yeah. Hey, turkeys. You don't have to lean on the hits. Sometimes you no. can do something new. Yeah. So on to this week's mystery animal sound. The hint is this. Do not adjust your television and ignore the barking in the background. This hisser is better off in a manger. So I do want to emphasize it's neither, I'm not talking about the sound of the dog barking or I believe the cat meowing, but that <laughs> sound. So, um, I, I, so I, I'm going to do a wild guess and say that um, this hisser belongs in a major, that to me means that that's baby Jesus, our ba- the baby of our Lord. You got it. He nailed it. Joey got it. That is Jesus. Yeah. Um... I'm not particularly religious, but uh, if I hear but that's what he sounded like. Uh, that's if sci- if I heard that science. noise in the middle of the night, I would I'd be praying to whatever. I'd be praying to somebody, whoever's listening. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, if you think you know who is making that sound, you can write to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail dot com. You can. Um, uh, write to me also your questions if you got any if you got any questions I occasionally do listener questions episodes uh, Joey thank you so much for joining me today where can the people find you uh, um, and like this cool stuff that you do um, yeah thanks so much for having me this was this was so fun um, I always like to break down you know the just the real world science of Garfield which I think science is important of Garfield. for people to learn yeah. um, you can follow me on uh, Twitter, TikTok, and uh, Blue Sky at Joey Tainment, and Instagram and Threads at Joey Cliff with five or six eyes. Um, you can check out my new digital series, Gone Native, at gonenative.tv. And then um, you can check out Spirit Rangers, which is nominated for seven Emmy Awards. That's so which many Emmys. You cool. could eat so much That's... lasagna with all those. Oh Emmys. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could like I could start up start with one Emmy and then move to another when it gets too greasy. Yeah, you can um, have you can like a salad on... Emmy and a soup Emmy. Yeah. Um, a you can watch Spirit Emmy. Rangers on Netflix. Um, it's a you know it's nominated for seven Emmys. It's a good show. You should watch it. <laughs> That's that's fantastic. I'm I'm real proud of you. Let's be serious for a m- moment. Very proud. Um, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show and you leave a rating and review, I greatly appreciate it. I read every single one of your reviews, even if it's just you to say like, you know what? Personally, I do like to eat a pizza with a knife and fork, and I'm proud of it. That's fine. You can review it with that. Um, and thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exo Lumina Creature Features, a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Where listen to your favorite shows? I'm not your mother. Can't tell you what to do. Live your own life. Be your own you. Embrace your unique wit. <laughs> your unique wit. Uh, see you next Wednesday. Bye. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. 
With our flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.